Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? Amen. So thankful. Amen. For God, His presence, for what He's doing, what He's going to do. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, glad that all of you are here today. Turn around to somebody. Shake their hand. Greet them in the name of the Lord if you don't know them. Introduce yourself. If you know them, reintroduce yourself. Amen. Make sure everybody knows everybody. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. I'd like to preach to us this morning from 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 19 and then a few chapters later another verse in 2 Kings chapter 2. Brother Brian, I can't promise you this morning that I'm going to um, be done in 15 minutes. Actually, I actually I can promise you that I will not be done in 15 minutes. Amen. Um, as was said, um, several of the most important messages that we usually hear, not that any of them are any less important, but... Um, Watch night service is a message that concludes the end of the year and then, of course, the first of the year as we look towards um, towards what the Lord is, is wanting to do. And so I, I feel like it is one of those messages this morning. I believe I have heard from the Lord and I want to preach to us today. First Kings chapter 19 and verse number 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he with the 12th. And Elisha passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah And said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, go back again, for what have I to do with thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Second Kings chapter 2 and verse number 13. This is the concluding part of uh, the beginning here in Elisha in, in 1 Kings 19 where Elisha was called. In verse 13 it says, he also took up, this is Elisha the he. Elisha also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. I want to preach to us this morning from this subject. Pick up your mantle. Pick up your mantle. Praise God. Lord bless you. You can be seated. I will again apologize this morning if my voice crackles, if I have to cough. Amen. It's just a lingering thing that many people are enduring. Amen. With the sickness that's going around. In Ecclesiastes, we read Ecclesiastes 3 and 1 to everything. Everybody say everything. To everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose. Under heaven. To everything there is a season. We know, we know normal seasons. Winter, spring, summer, fall. But there are seasons in our lives. Spiritually and naturally. The scripture says to everything there's a season. And there's a time to every purpose. 
what God wants to do in that particular time. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. We read through these scriptures and and uh, it, it tells us there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to reap, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weave, a time to dance, a time to mourn. Amen. Excuse me, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow. Boy, this is a good one that he put in there too, a time to, a time to keep silence. And a time to speak. Mariah's eyebrows just raised way up. It's grandpa talking to me today. Mariah and I had a great, great happening this week. She told her parents that she needed a, a new computer for school, that it was a semi-requirement. Amen. And so I had... I have a bunch of stuff at the house. I had a, a extra Surface Pro that I'm not using at the moment. And so I said, I'll let you use it. When I brought it over there, I said, I need to go over a few things with you, especially the password. And her dad jumps in and says, oh, Mariah, Grandpa put on Buffalo Bill's rules as the password. And she looked at me and she said, Grandpa, you wouldn't do that, would you? And so I said, no, I wouldn't. So I spelled out the password for her and she was typing it in and when she got all done she realized it's a better password than buffalo bill rules it's jesus is watching <laughs> and so every time she logs on to the computer now she has to remember jesus is watching amen wouldn't we do well some of us to put those kinds of passwords on different things to remember Jesus is watching. But there's a time, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace to everything. There is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. The Living Bible puts it this way as it paraphrases it, and it says, there is a right time for everything. You understand that in your life, going through different situations, you run into circumstances where you invariably will say to yourself or somebody will say to you, this is not the right time for that. Or you'll recognize that this is the right time for this particular thing. This is what the scripture is telling us. There is a right time for everything. We find from history the different times where God has poured out his spirit and there were great times of revival and times of great spiritual awakening. In 1734 to 1743, it was a time that was called the Great Awakening. It started in Northampton, Massachusetts, amen, uh, 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 by a man by the name of Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards had been preaching, and he had preached for months and months, and, and it seemed like nothing was happening until after a span of time, amen, uh, uh, five or six people came and got saved. One of them was a woman whom Jonathan Edwards later testified and said, I, I don't, uh, that woman will never amount to anything. She'll never do anything. I don't know why God saved her. God must have made a, made a mistake because she was a quote-unquote well-known woman. In other words, she was a prostitute. And Jonathan Edwards said, there's nothing that she can do. But the Lord used this woman after she got saved and changed her life. Then hundreds of people came and gave their lives to the Lord. During this great awakening in Philadelphia, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, a man by the name of George Whitfield preached uh, and hundreds were converted. The second great awakening came in 1800 to 1840. James McGready 
saw that that uh, he was part of what was recorded as strange spiritual manifestations. There were miracles taking place. Uh, healings of all kind were happening. People were being saved and brought into the church. Uh, during this time, Charles Finney, uh, a name that is familiar to, to uh, a lot of people, preached and over 500,000 people were converted under his ministry. During that time in Rochester, New York, just uh, several miles from where we are here, over 100,000 people came and gave their lives to the Lord. Then in 1857 to 1858, there was a time that was called the Businessman's Revival. God moved on one man by the name of Jeremiah Lamphere. He was a, a what we would call a lay missionary. And uh, he asked the Lord, the Lord was dealing with him in his life, and he asked the Lord one question. He said, Lord, what would you have me to do? The Lord responded back to this man, hey man, uh, Jeremiah, and uh, through it, uh, Jeremiah started a noontime prayer meeting for businessmen. It was held once a week. The first week, there were six in attendance. The second week, there were 20 in attendance. The third week, there was 40 in attendance. And it so grew, amen, that they switched from a once a week prayer meeting to a daily noontime prayer meetings, uh, amen. And it went beyond what he was doing and other churches uh, got involved doing the same thing. And history tells us that revivals broke out all across the region because one man asked the Lord, what would you have me to do? In 1857, Dwight L. Moody preached and hundreds of thousands came and were converted. There was the revival that we read about in 1905 to 1906. There was the Welsh revival where many folks from that, that country, uh, 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 the Welsh descent came in the United States and, and gave themselves to the Lord. And then, of course, most of us will remember reading or hearing of the Azusa Street revival in 1906 where people were getting the Holy Ghost on the streets. God was pouring out his spirit in such a tremendous way that they would be walking down the street and people would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In describing what happened in Jonathan Edwards, Northampton, Massachusetts church and revival in 1734, observers wrote this about it, quote, that it pleased God to display his free and sovereign mercy in the conversion of a great multitude of souls in a short space of time, turning them from a formal, cold, and careless profession of Christianity to the lively exercise of Christian grace and the powerful practice of our holy religion. That was written not by spiritual people, but by observers to what was happening in that day. What were they saying? Amen. That the power of God was so prevalent uh, that it was changing the lives of people from what they were, uh, amen, to what God had made them become. Uh, when the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon us, uh, amen, there is a distinct and clear change that comes along with it. They wrote and said, uh, they further wrote and said, that's about as clear a definition as we'll ever get. During a revival, God supernaturally transforms believers and non-believers in a church, locale, region, nation, or the world through sudden, intense enthusiasm for Christianity. People sense the presence of God powerfully. Amen. Listen to what they said. They sense the presence of God powerfully. Uh, amen. God's presence is not just some inornate thing that we talk about, uh, but it is something that will come into our lives. Uh, it will something, it is something that is able to 
touch our lives and to change us from what we are to what God can make us. Amen. They sense the power and the presence of God powerfully. They sense conviction, despair, contrition, repentance, and prayer come easily. People thirst for God's word and many authentic conversions occur and backsliders are renewed. Amen. When the power and the presence of God come among the people. And so here we are today, January 5th, 2020, standing at the beginning of not only a new year, but a new decade. What is it going to bring for me? What is it going to bring for my family? What is it going to bring for our church? What is it going to bring for our community? questions that only each of us as individuals can answer. Uh, We can answer corporately and say this is what we'd like to see. Uh, Amen. But those questions will not be answered uh, except uh, through you as an individual. Amen. What is it going to bring to me 2020? Uh, What is it going to bring to my family, to our church, and to our community? In the scriptures preceding our text this morning, that I read in 1 Kings 19, God asked Elijah a very probing question. He, he asked him this, what, and I'm giving it to you in the King James Version. He says, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you waiting around here? What is going on? The situation that was happening is we find that Elijah had been feeling sorry for himself. Now, I'm, I'm using literary, I'm not using literary license. I'm using... Pastor Dibble's interpretation of what this scripture is all about. Uh, Amen. He had been feeling sorry for himself. Uh, He had just been involved in some great things. Uh, We read in the Bible in 1 Kings chapter 18 where Elijah, amen, had uh, come among the people. They had drifted away from God. Uh, Instead of drawing closer, they were going further away. And so he called them to a decision and he said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. But if Baal is God, then serve him. Uh, Amen. And you know uh, what transpired. uh, The prophets of Baal, it was declared that the God that answers by fire is the God that we will serve. And so the prophets of Baal worked and worked and worked to get an answer from Baal, but there there was none. And Elijah stepped up, repaired the altar of the Lord, poured the water on it. Amen. Spoke to the Lord and said, God, let this people know who you are. I believe God wants Uh, Amen. I believe he wants to be revealed to every single person in the world today. Uh, I believe he wants everybody to know who he is, uh, not just in a name, uh, but in a personality. Uh, Amen. And what he can do for us. Uh, Amen. He's more than just a name, uh, but he is a friend that sticks closer to a brother. Uh, He's somebody that's with us day in and day out. Uh, He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, He promised us if he'd been with us in one problem uh, he would in the eighth uh, in no wise forsake us that's the kind of God he wants everybody to know what kind of God he is Elijah prayed and said, let this people know that you are God and that I am your servant. And God came down with fire, amen, and consumed uh, that sacrifice, the altar and the water that was around it. Uh, and people turned their hearts to God again. Uh, right after that, Elijah went up. There had been no rain. Uh, and he went up to the mountain to pray. Uh, amen. He saw, and, and through his servant, saw a hand, amen, the, the, a cloud the size of a man's hand uh, and he said get down I hear the sound of abundance of rain amen two great miracles but what happened after that amen because of those miracles the Bible tells us that the wicked queen Jezebel became angry and she wanted to kill Elijah 
And so what happened? Now here's, here's where I interpret. Okay, I paraphrase. I'm not changing anything. Amen. But Elijah ran away to pout. Say, oh, that's not true. Well, what did he do besides pout? He got under the tree and said, woe is me. You know, and he, and, he, and he felt sorry, praise God. And he found himself under that juniper tree crying out and wanting to die. So many times we think the worst in our situations. Why is this happening? Does God not like me anymore? Is God mad at me? Amen. When really it has nothing to do with that many times. Look at John chapter 9. Jesus had just been rejected. Amen. By the people. And as he was rejected, the Bible says as he passed by, he saw a man that was blind from birth. What was the first thing that the disciples said? The disciples said... Amen. They begin to think the worst. Who sinned? Why did this fall upon this man? Just like when we get into situations, whether they be physical or material, we, we many times think the worst, praise God, of, of what's going on. Amen. And the, the, the Lord turned when they said, who sinned? Amen. This man or his parents said he would be born blind. Jesus said, look, guys, nobody sinned here. His parents didn't sin. He sinned. Amen. But this is for the glory of God. And there are some situations that come into your life uh, that are no more, uh, amen, uh, significant than the God is trying to bring glory to himself. Uh, you might have to go through some things. Uh, you might have to go through a sickness. Uh, you might have to go through a problem. Uh, but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, lean not unto your own understanding. Uh, in all thy ways acknowledge him, uh, and he shall direct thy paths. Uh, and when you come forth, uh, amen, you're going to come forth pure as gold, uh, and God will have received the glory from the situation. And so in spite of Elijah's own actions of pouting and feeling sorry for himself, the Bible lets us to know that God sent some angels and God ministered to him. He fed him and restored his strength back to him. He allowed Elijah to hear from him again. Uh, amen. And then he asked him that question, what are you doing here? Elijah continued his self-pity role. And he said to the Lord, I've been working very hard for you, Lord. But the people have turned away from you. And they have killed all the other prophets. And I'm scared they're going to kill me too. The Lord said, look, you're not the only one. There's 7,000 others besides you. He says, what are you doing here? And he gave Elijah one word. He simply said, go. Go. You still have more things to do. Before I take you home with me. Listen. My dad came to me several years ago. And uh, he, he, he was uh, coming to me to encourage me. Let me say this before I say what I'm going to say. I, those of you that know me know I do not get hung up by position or office. If I'm called to serve, I serve. I dedicated myself to the Lord years ago, not to get in office, but I dedicated myself to the Lord to be a servant to him. Whatever God wants me to do. I don't get caught up in all those things. I don't need, uh, I do not have to have other people come and stroke me, uh, amen, to make me feel good to do the work of God. No, I'm not working for them. I'm working for the Lord. Amen. And that's the difference in my life, praise God. People tell me I've got thick skin. Well, you're right, I do. Because, amen, a lot of things that people say really don't matter to me. Amen. What matters is what the Lord says. Amen. And so I remember years ago my dad came to me and 
uh, I was serving as district secretary and, and you know, we have term limits and uh, I, I didn't get voted back in because of the term limits, not because of the majority of what the people wanted to do, but because of term limits. And my dad came to me thinking maybe I was feeling down. I really wasn't because, like I said, I don't get caught up in that kind of stuff. Amen. But he came to me and he said these words to me. He said, son, don't be discouraged. He says, your work is not over. God is going to continue to use you. He still has a work for you. And I imagine that's what what the Lord was saying to Elijah. Amen. Hey, listen, uh, friend, you might feel a little low right now. You might feel down in the dumps, but your work is not over. Amen. I, I, I've got a job for you still to do, praise God. Amen. And I need you to go. And so Elisha got up and he went out and did the work which God was commissioning him to do. He was specifically told to do three things. He was told to anoint the next two kings, one for each of the kingdoms, And he was told to anoint his successor, which was Elisha. And that is what Elijah did. Now, let me jump ahead several years. From the time that this happened until the time we read about in 2 Kings chapter 2, there was approximately, if my understanding of the scripture is correct, there was approximately seven to eight years of time. Seven to eight years of time where Elisha followed and served Elijah, the man of God. Here we are seven to eight years later and Elijah was about to be taken up into glory. We look at the situation and we could, we could think many things, uh, uh, you know, about what was going on there and how Elijah treated Elisha. This is what I think. That Elisha was testing Elisha's devotion. Jesus himself did this to his disciples. We look at the story of the feeding of the 5,000 and the New Testament in the Bible comes out and says when he asked them certain questions, he did this to test them. To test them. To see what they're made of. Amen. Not only to see what they're made of, but so that they can see what they're made of also. I've done the same thing in the past with people and those who serve under me. I've, I've tested them to see their devotion. Many have passed, some has failed. Amen. But Elijah was testing Elisha. And so Elisha turned to Elisha and he told him that the Lord had called him to go from Gilgal to where they were, uh, the, to uh, from where they were in Gilgal to Bethel. And he turned to Elisha and he said, Look, Elisha, you stay here. The Lord's called me to Bethel and I'm going to go. But Elisha responded and he said, As the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. We always say that Elisha was waiting for the promise of what he wanted but that had yet to transpire and so he said i'm not going to leave you and so they went to bethel and in bethel elijah met with the prophets and told the prophets that god was going to take him that day the prophets responded yes we know amen and elijah elijah said don't tell anybody and the next thing we see pardon me for going through all of this but there's a purpose to it the next thing we see is that elijah once again elijah once again turned to elisha amen and told him that god was calling him to jericho the same thing happened i want you to stay here No, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go to be where where you are. He met with the prophets. They said, he said, I'm going to go with the Lord today. They said, we already know that. He said, don't tell anybody. And then he did it again and said, we're going to go over to Jericho. And one more time, Elijah turned to Elisha and said, you stay here. I'm going to go. When they got to the Jordan River, there were 50 prophets there. And the Bible says that they stood at a distance and they watched the two of them approach the river Jordan. 
When Elijah got there, he had a mantle. This is my mantle this morning. So we can, whatever it looked like, I don't know. I looked up pictures of mantles. One of them had in the pictures of a mantle like a little red riding hood thing. Mickey mantle, that's a good one. But this is my mantle today. And Elijah always had that mantle with him. And so he carried it. And the Bible says when they got over to Jordan, him and Elisha, that he took that mantle and he folded it. I don't know how he folded it, but he folded it. And then he took the mantle and he stretched it out over across the water. And the Bible says the waters parted. Not only did they part, but the Bible says they walked across on dry ground. In an instant, the power of God came and moved. When they got across that river, they, they, the water came back again. And it was at that point when they got across the river that Elijah turned to Elisha. And he asked him, what do you want? All this time you've been following me. Seven or eight years, however long it was, you've been serving me. Seven or eight years, you've been coming after me. These last days here, I've told you, amen, to stay back. And you said, no, I'm going to be with you. There's something that you must want. And he said, what is it that you want? Without hesitation, Elijah answered him, uh, Amen. Mind you, there are 50 prophets standing over on the other side of the river. 50 prophets watching what was going on. Uh, amen. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He could have asked for anything. He could have asked for money. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for popularity. He could have asked for an office or a position to be a leader or a ruler. But no, amen, he asked for a double portion of his spirit. And Elijah said, you have asked for a hard thing. Amen. But if you see me taken up, uh, you will receive what you've asked for. And so they walked a little ahead. And all of a sudden the whirlwind came and the clouds opened. Uh, and the chariot came down and picked up Elijah and his mantle. And began to take him up to the heavens. Amen. And what was the one thing that was left that came back down to the earth? Was Elijah's mantle. The Bible says that it dropped down to the earth. And when that happened, uh, amen, what, what was so significant about a mantle? Well, the mantle was a covering that represented a calling to service. It represented protection. It represented sanctification. And it represented a covenant with God. The word mantle translates uh, into the word glorious, Powerful, noble, or worthy. According to Jewish tradition, the mantle of Elisha later on, and then Elisha was placed in a small chamber in the golden altar. And hundreds of years later, Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, removed that mantle, uh, amen, and gave it, uh, amen, to his son as a garment, uh, amen, for his ministry. Uh, and when John appeared, many believed uh, that he was Elisha due to that special mantle. In fact, uh, Luke chapter 1 says that John operated in the spirit and power of Elisha. There was something going on with that mantle. Uh, amen. There was something special about it. Praise God. Uh, it represented, as I said, uh, amen, the call, the service. It represented, amen, the protection and sanctification, uh, the power and being worthy. It represented. And when that mantle dropped back down to the earth, uh, amen, I don't believe there was any hesitation in Elisha. Amen. Because he picked it up uh, and he walked back over to 
the river. Uh, and the first thing he did, uh, amen, was take that mantle, uh, amen, and sli- uh, put it out across the water as Elijah did, uh, amen. And he said these words, where is the God of Elijah? And when he said that, those waters parted uh, and he walked back across uh, and those 50, uh, amen, those 50 men, uh, those Amen. Those 50 prophets, uh, amen, came uh, and they saw what happened. uh, Amen. uh, and, And they thought it was awesome. And they said these words, the spirit of Elijah doth rest upon Elisha. And he took that mantle. And from that point, the Bible says, as they witnessed the passing of the mantle, as they witnessed a new decade, if you please, being ushered in. Amen. The Bible says from that time forward, Elisha did twice the works of Elijah. That's awesome, isn't it? I mean, that's totally awesome how God works, how God transfers that power from one to the next. He's never without somebody. But wait a minute. Let me back you up just a minute. Because in my opinion, that is not where it all started. It started seven or eight years prior. You say, did he receive his his promise? Did he receive a word from Elijah that these things were going to happen? No, he received nothing. Elijah, the Bible says, simply was told by God to go and anoint your successor. We think of anointing as taking oil and touching the head of somebody as was prayed for. People were anointed with oil today, which is scriptural. Amen. To do those things. Uh, We think of the anointing of Jehu where the prophet poured the oil over his head and it ran down his beard, the Bible says. We think of that anointing. uh, Amen. But God said, go anoint your successor. Uh, And the Bible says that when he walked past Elisha, he didn't say a word. He didn't say, uh, come after me. He didn't give him a promise. Uh, The only thing he did uh, was he took that mantle and he brushed it across him. And let me submit to you this morning uh, that there was something that happened to Elisha at that moment. Uh, No words were spoken uh, and no promises were given. uh, But Elisha felt something uh, that he had never felt before in his life. Uh, It was not just a piece of cloth, uh, but that piece of cloth represented a calling. Uh, It represented protection. Uh, It represented, uh, amen, sanctification. It represented, uh, amen, what God could do for an individual in their life. Uh, And he felt that course through him uh, at that point. Uh, And he said, hey, I want to follow you. Let me go and say goodbye to my mom. Let me go and say goodbye to my dad. And I want to follow you. There's something that you have that I desire to have in my life. There's something that I do not have just being a, a, a person that's a farmer there's something that I want uh, that you have Elijah Elijah pardon me for getting these two mixed up all the time but Elijah after Elisha said let me go kiss my mom and dad goodbye and I'll follow you paraphrased he said go do what you need to do Go do what you need to do. And he walked away. Here's where it gets interesting. Because Elijah knew that it was not his touch or the lure of being his successor or of becoming famous or popular that was affecting Elisha. It was the mantle. Or the power of God, the touch of God, 
the presence of God upon his life. Amen. And look what he did. The scripture says that when Elijah found him, he was out in the field plowing. There were 12 yoke of oxen out there in the field as he was plowing. He was plowing with two of them. That tells me that there were 10 other people. Amen. There were other people, excuse me, out there plowing. At least five of them. Amen. Plowing out in that field. Amen. But what did Elijah do? He said, I I've got to have what, uh, what did Elisha do? He said, I've got to have, amen, what Elijah has. Uh, there's something that happened to me when I felt that touch uh, of that mantle course uh, go across me. I've got to have it. Most people, amen, would just say, oh, I'm, I'm going to follow and see what happens. Uh, amen, I, I, I'm going to give myself to the Lord, uh, amen, and see how far it goes. Uh, but Elisha, amen, Elisha said uh, in his own heart, uh, we don't read this by word, uh, but we see this by action. Uh, that he said in his own heart, uh, I'm going to go beyond uh, mere words, uh, and I'm going to show, uh, amen, Elijah. And I'm going to show the God of Elijah, amen, how sincere I am, amen, about serving and following him. We don't read about this too often in the Bible. We course over it, amen. We see where he's called and he leaves the follow and we see what happened later on. But what he did was he took his own two oxen. You see, so many times when God is dealing with our lives, we try to look to somebody else and we try to say, well, what about them? Amen. What are they going to give up to work for you? He didn't worry about the other five and the other ten oxen that were out there that day. He worried about his own two oxen and his own plow. And the Bible says he took his own two oxen and he slew them and he boiled them. In other words, he cooked them. Amen. And then he took his plow and he burned his plow. He didn't try to sell it. He didn't put it up for auction. He didn't give it away. Amen. But he he, he slew, he boiled, and he burned. What was the significance of that? He was saying, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm giving everything to the work of God. I'm not leaving anything back here that I can possibly come back to. Amen. I felt something, and I want that in my life. And it doesn't matter what the cost And so far before he received the mantle, he had already made a statement that I'm going to do what it takes to do to be a part of the work and the will of God. Amen. And so here we stand this morning at the onset of a new decade. And what I feel to ask you today is what are you doing here? The same thing that God asked to Elijah, what are you doing here? This is not what I've called you to. This is not what I've called you to be. Uh, amen. Pouty, uh, weepy, uh, feeling sorry for yourself. Uh, amen. Uh, you, 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 yes, you got problems. Yes, uh, there's somebody after you. Yes, somebody wants to kill you. But this is not what I called you to do. Uh, amen. What are you doing here? Let me remind you that as we stand at the onset of a new decade, there are souls out there that need to be won. 
There are people that are crying out to God. Somebody, uh, amen, some God, send somebody to help me. Uh, send somebody to bring me hope to my life. Uh, God, uh, get me out of this situation that I'm in. Amen. And so there are souls out there to be one. There are miracles which the Lord is wanting to do in this decade. You know, I'm not a fantasizer. I don't know if there's such a word. I just made it up. I don't go way out and try to make things bigger than what they are. I'm what you call a realist. But I'm telling you, we are, we are upon a decade. God has not delayed his coming. Uh, amen. Just so we could languish. Feel sorry for ourselves. Why am I going through what I'm going through? Woe is me. Uh, God has not delayed his coming. Uh, amen. So we could languish idly by doing nothing. Uh, but God has delayed his coming. Uh, because there are things uh, that still need to be accomplished in the work of God. Uh, God said in the last days, uh, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Uh, I believe God is one. And ready to give. It's a new season. It's a new decade. But to every time, there is a purpose under heaven. And God has his purpose. And that is the winning of the lost. There is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, which Jesus is wanting to pour out. There are preachers which Jesus is wanting to call to work for him today. There are those that he's wanting to call as pastors. There are those that he's wanting to call as soul winners. There are those that he's wanting to call as intercessors. There are those that he's wanting to call as deacons. Amen. There are those that he's wanting to call as encouragers. I believe that God is waiting to raise up a team of men and women, teenagers and children to carry the boldness of the vision that both Elijah, Elisha and John the Baptist carried to their generations and into their decades. Amen. Jesus is coming, yes, but before he comes, there is a great work that he's wanting to do in this day. So I ask you today, are you willing to pay the price to see revival in this decade? We sang songs about the presence of the Lord this morning. Amen. We don't have any mantles that are going to fall today, per se, physically. But we do have the presence of God. Amen. We do have his presence with us. And God's presence is sweeping. And just as Elijah touched Elisha with that mantle and he felt something, God is wanting his presence to touch you today. And you you feel his heartbeat. You feel what he's all about. You feel, amen, the necessity to reach out and to save the lost. And if you please, you see that mantle falling like Elisha did. And I'm asking, is there anybody that's able or willing to pick up, to pick up your mantle today let's go into this decade amen let's go into this decade to face this generation amen like we've never done before amen positive god can change your life god can do something for you i'm willing to kill my oxen to boil them and to burn my plow to leave it all behind Who is willing to pick up the mantle of God? Who is willing to pick up the power of God? Who is willing to pick up the anointing of God this morning? And do exactly what God told Elijah. One word. Go. 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 Let's praise him today. Let's praise him today. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I worship you. 
Jesus, I worship you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God, I praise you today. I praise you today. I praise you today. I praise you today. I praise you today, Jesus. God, here I am. I'm going to pick up my mantle, Jesus. I know we've served you, Lord. I know we've loved you, Lord, but we're in a new time. We're in a new season. We're in a new decade. God, I want to do your work, Lord. I want to see souls saved. If you need the Holy Ghost this morning, amen. Today's a great day to come and receive the Holy Ghost today. If you need a touch from the Lord, today's a great day to receive it from God. God, help me. Help me to face this decade in the power. Amen. In the, in the power and presence of your spirit, Jesus. In demonstration of power, God. I worship you, 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 I worship you. Yes, 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 yes. God, touch us today. Anoint your people today, God. Anoint them, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, we're willing, Lord. We're willing to face this decade, Lord. In the power and demonstration of your spirit, Jesus. God, let me be part of it, Jesus. Let me be part of it, Lord. Let me be part of it, Lord. Let me be part of it, Jesus. Oh, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. God, I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. God, I worship you. me. 
Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing fall on me. God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. I wonder, I wonder in time what history will call this decade spiritually. They had the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the Businessmen's Revival, the Azusa Street Revival, all of that. What will this decade be called? spiritually I don't really care what they call it except that God pours his spirit out how's it going to happen amen revivals emerge during times of spiritual and moral decline which leads to intense prayer amen if my people will pray amen preaching of the word brings deep conviction and a desire for the Lord amen bringing glory and honor and praise to him brings revival and God shows it through the manifestations amen in his spirit I want God to do a great work this this decade I don't know how long we're going to be here it might only be a month who knows we don't know God's timing amen but as long as we're here God God give us amen give us uh, a, a tremendous outpouring and demonstration of your spirit in this day praise the lord amen god's good isn't he god's good praise the lord amen thank you for being in the house of the lord today amen brother john your testimony is is right on you don't know why god's putting you through this here but what did you say god whatever it is I want to. I want to. I want to do your work and your will. Sometimes God's got to shake us. He's got to get a hold of us a little bit. Amen. Let that happen, brother John. Amen. There's no telling. Amen. And amen. One person can be the difference. Amen. One person can be the difference. Praise God. Amen. Lord bless you. Praise God. Please be faithful to your home fellowship group this week, and then faithful to to. Um, prayer on Saturday. Praise God. Amen. Turn around to your neighbor. Greet him in the name of the Lord. Amen. You're dismissed today in Jesus' name.